This episode of the Duck Gun Podcast proudly brought to you by Gunner Kennels. Gunner Kennels, the market's only double-walled, roto-molded dog crate, and a five-star crash test-rated kennel. These American-made boxes come with a lifetime warranty, and the guys over at Gunner Kennels have done some crazy testing just to show how strong they really are, like dropping 4,000 pounds on it, hammering it with a 630-pound sled, tossing it off a 200-foot cliff, and shooting it with a 12-gauge at seven paces with no pellet penetration. You're hitting the road with your dog this season. Gunner Kennels is your safest bet. Protect your best friend and protect your investment. Hey guys, I'm Jordan Fromer. I believe in hunting hard, hunting smart, and having a fun time while doing it. And shooting limits? Well, that's just the icing on the cake. I revel in the journey just as much as the successes it brings. From ducks to dogs to decoys and guns, we'll be talking tactics, strategies, and what it takes to get the job done. Load up and take aim. This is the Duck Gun Podcast. What's going on, folks? Thanks for joining me on another episode of the Duck Gun Podcast. On today's episode, we're joined by Killian from Bailey's Game Calls, and we discuss the cool things he's got going on there and the 3D calls that he prints so let's get a quick word from our sponsor and we'll jump right into the podcast hey guys tim from hdr here if you really want to get your group up front and in the action check out our new hdr a-frame hunt anywhere concealed it sets up and takes down in less time than it takes to put your waders on we've developed our own camo patterns for a better hide with more designs coming we have you covered from the sides and the top Oh, and did I mention, our A-frame is only 10 pieces out of the box? Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and on htrinnovations.com. Hey guys, another great company that we have partnered with is Sportsman Taxidermy. And we had Corey on the podcast not too long ago, so jump back, check that one out. Really great content there. Um, But they do everything from waterfowl, deers, turkey, and they've even done a lion at the shop. It's award-winning taxidermy, and they're out of Belton, Missouri. Um, You can reach them at 816-331-5171 or email at taxidermy at outlook.com. And did I mention, if you're not in the area, they also do shipping, so that's great. Be sure to check them out, guys. We'd like to give a big thanks to our partners over at White Rock Decoys. Be a nomad and get out further with more decoys with their lightweight system of windsocks, silhouettes, and fully collapsible floater decoys. We'd also like to give a big thanks to our partners over at Bailey's Game Calls. These 3D printed plastic calls are made in America, highly customizable, and floating. They also have a patent pending on the density of their calls, which allows them to mimic wood and acrylic calls be sure to check out bailey's game calls for your next duck or goose call what's going on folks i'm jordan from duck gun chronicles got my co-host Greybeard alongside me from freelance duck hunting tonight and our guest for the evening is killian from bailey bailey's game calls how you doing tonight i'm doing well how about you guys doing, doing pretty good thank you so much for joining us we've been uh, looking forward to having you on for a while now thank you this is awesome so I don't even know what state do you live in. I forget. I live in Indiana. Uh, how, how far are you from Jordan? So you're in. Where are you at, Jordan? Again? Uh, I'm in the north zone of Indiana. <laughs> okay. So I'm probably thirty, if that. I'm pretty close, I think. Oh yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, we've Not, actually uh, we've talked about meeting up for a hunt here, so we might make it happen this year. Yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so Jordan has been struggling a little bit. Um, how has your season been? So we've been the like, opener was pretty good. We kind of we got some gadwall on the opener too, which was really unusual for us. Gadwall and Taylor usually it's only geese and mallards that we get. So that was pretty that was pretty awesome. That was a great way to start the opener. But um, being in school, I haven't been able to hunt as much as I wanted. And the last few times I've been out, it's been kind of slow. <laughs> it's it's mainly local birds right now. Even with that cold front, for at least for me, it seems like they're skittish of everything right now. I can't believe I've never asked this. This is for either of you guys. So like on the migration here in Kansas, birds are typically coming out of Nebraska, um, sometimes a little farther to the east. But, you know, the central flyway just runs right down the chute. Where do, when, where do you guys get your birds from when they migrate through? So I, I know that we got a banded goose at like on our early goose season, and it was from Ontario. So I'm going to assume it's from that region like kind of that, I wouldn't say this, it's not central, right? But it's up in that area is where I think most of our birds migrate from. Yeah. Yeah. So ours kind of migrate uh, for a little west of Indiana. They come along Lake Michigan. And yeah. Shoot out and, and spread out a little bit through Indiana. So the further west you get in Indiana, you hit more of a flyway. So it's yeah. even from where I'm at, it's more western um, is a bigger flyway. So we do have a lot of local birds, though. Um, and we have some big rivers that run through that come from Lake Michigan and that puts a good trail. And the other thing I noticed, like we don't get a lot of like speckled bellies, no geese. And like, I, I go to school in Terre Haute and we get quite a few of those. So you can definitely tell there's a little more migration going through there as well. Jordan, you just mentioned local birds. I hear a lot of people on videos, they'll, they'll shoot birds and they'll say, uh, these are local birds. How, how do you determine that? Uh, you just know that they they stay there throughout the year as far as like uh, maybe not. So they're like non, non-migrators at all? Uh, well, they'll migrate, but they're local until they migrate. Um, or they, so they migrate are, really early and kind of they're stay They're nesting there. there. So birds that nest in your area, you're calling local. Not even necessarily nesting, uh, but like we'll have birds that kind of stay on certain ponds. And mm-hmm. we know that they're there or geese and the same thing. They'll stay on certain farms. And they'll stay there until it's time to migrate. And and sometimes they show up kind of like at the beginning of season or before season. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not. They're not all nesting there either. But we do have a lot of local birds. Like uh, there's one river in, in particular, the St. Joe River, and I think there's birds that stay there that don't migrate at all. Mm-hmm. It depends how cold it gets, but the river's never going to freeze up. Um, and you'll just see them. They'll, they'll just be there. They'll be like right by the hospital. <laughs> There's just <laughs> hundreds of them right up there in the park and they're there yeah. year round. We have some of that with geese with geese only. We get park geese, golf course geese. And <laughs> mm-hmm. so like when we're out on our survival trip on the Kansas river, we'll, we'll get geese coming in there. And, and I don't think those birds ever migrate. I think that they're there in the area. They nest here. Um, other than that, I mean, we like you go out in, you hit the marshes here in the summer and you might see a few wood ducks, but Kansas is just completely void of waterfowl um, during the, during those hot climate months, which I, I used to not like, I used to think um, wouldn't it be cool to have ducks around all the time. But then the more I thought about it, when they start showing up, it's exhilarating. Cause it's like, they're, they're non-existent. And then all of a sudden you get the teal waving in and you get these waves of birds that, 
you're just like, where'd they come from? It's just really, it's a cool feeling. So you don't even have them stay like on your rivers locally. I, I don't know if I can speak for all of Indiana. Maybe you can say what you see as well, Killian. But um, in my area, I know that if I go out, um, just do some dog work on the river or something, and it comes to last light, we'll have a bunch of birds kind of work in. And not the huge waves like a migration type scenario on the river, but um, we'll see a lot of ducks. Mallards as well? Yep. Yeah, no, I mean, um, out, out in some of the marshes, they get a few blue-winged teal nesting, but you have to really to start seeing the nesting area really starts central to north Nebraska is where you go up there and like when we go on our fishing trip to north central nebraska we'll see a lot of ducks up there in the summer but no you hit the rivers you'll see a few wood duck and that's about it yeah like we we floated the river this summer and like we there was ducks back there which is kind of unusual we had blue wing teal and some mallards even in the, i mean it was dead heat of the summer and then we had we always have geese hanging around it seems like they never seem to leave so <laughs> yeah not I, I guess I could agree with you, Jordan, on that one. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know if you heard about, I think it was a couple of years ago, um, one of the bigger cities in the area had a goose problem and they went out and like exterminated like 200 of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was, yeah. it's yeah. pretty crazy. We, or, oh, sorry. You can go ahead. No, no you go ahead. Uh, I was going to just say the, our golf, our local golf course has about a, a, one of those, like, I wouldn't say like a, is I don't know to call it, like the planned goose hunts like every year. It seems like all the time they're just, <laughs> there. it's unbelievable. How do they hunt them? What, how, what's their method? So like they'll go out there, it's, they'll go out there and they'll shoot them and then they'll, um, you can't keep them. You have to bury them. What? Yeah. It's weird. It's really weird. <laughs> well, I've never heard of that in my life. Yeah. Yeah. You can't keep them no matter what you just, they just go out and bury them. So that's kind what? of, that's so yeah. insane. <laughs> Like who organizes this that you can't keep them? Like how is that? Yeah. Like yeah, what is them. the thought behind that? Like is that like they're trying to be more ethical? Like I don't understand. No, it's like it's like bears. You know, if you let them get into your trash, or if they eat like a human or something, they get like this taste for it, and they just like become crazy to get it to get at that. It's like you let those people eat geese, and they're gonna be out there crawling around at night, wringing necks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't know, but I never did one, but I think the DNR issues it. Cause one of our, uh, one of our friends has a pond that had a goose problem and they signed a permit and they were like, Hey, if you guys want to come do this goose shoot, you can. And that was like in June or August. And I was like, well, dad, do you want to go? Or like, what are we going to do? He's like, I don't want to bury him. And I was like, I didn't know we had to bury him. Like, what's <laughs> So are you decoying them in or just like walking around and just popping? Yeah, you can do decoys or calls. You just walk around. <laughs> oh, what a massacre. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Someone <laughs> alert PETA. <laughs> really funky. <laughs> so it's not a goose hunt. It's a goose shoot. Okay. Yeah. It's a goose shoot. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of that, that makes me I, – I, I put out a video today, and um, on the video, it, it's a little um, green wing teal hunt in the afternoon and on the video i called it a green wing teal shoot and this guy was ripping me in the comments about how i shouldn't be calling it a shoot because hunting so much more shoot i'm just like <laughs> hey. <laughs> hey, man, what, what do you want me to call I mean, <laughs> come on <laughs> oh man yeah i just don't even 
think about that. It's like to get criticized about that. Uh, <laughs> man, you can get get criticized. Everybody criticizes everything. It's just insane. Seriously, it's crazy. Like to call someone out about calling it a, a green wing teal shoot yeah. <laughs> makes yeah. no sense at no, all. That's... No. <laughs> Oh, yeah. what are you going to do, though, right? <laughs> Get annoyed and not say anything, or every now like and then I'll to... fire back some fiery comment and then delete it 30 <laughs> seconds later, just hoping that the person read it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> Speaking of shooting geese, I got one more story that made me think about the, you talking about shooting geese. I've got a, a doctor friend, and his really rich friend owns owns this like big pond that's on the barely on the city limits line. And we fish out there and stuff. And and one spring, I get a call from my doctor friend. He's like, yeah, um, my buddy thinks that all the geese out here are causing problems with the water because they're crapping in the water and it's affecting, uh, affecting the fish population. He's like, uh, he want to know if you want to come out here and kill these. And I'm like, well, I, it's spring. I can't, I, I can't just go out there and kill geese in the spring. And I was like, don't they have like babies right now at this point? And he's like... <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah. And I was like, well, are we going to slaughter the babies too? <laughs> like, no, huh? I don't want any part of that. It's oh, a, man. Guys just picking off those little goslings. Boom. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> be like shooting it too. On <laughs> yeah. yeah. Little butterballs. They are ugly, though. They are, they are yeah. They're, they're pretty. Ge- I don't know. Geese, geese are bird full grown in my opinion either but <laughs> yeah yeah green heads all the way mm-hmm. i agree totally agree or all wood right, ducks you... cool yeah yeah oh that's true wood ducks are very nice so uh, i guess uh changing changing subjects here a little bit you want to kind of tell us a little bit about what you got going on and yeah so what we what we do here is um we do a 3d printed duck call so so basically what we got is um we 3D print, so it's layer by layer on these bad boys. Sorry, the camera. But um, so what makes it special is I can change the infill patterns with these. And so I have a little little guys here. I don't know if you'll be able to see them, but like this one's clear, and I don't know if you can see through it. But there's like little squares there. Mm-hmm. So it's like so I can change the size and pattern of those. And so what that does is it changes the density of the call, which will change the sound of the call as well. So I'm able to. Materials and it, it kind of has unlimited custom ability, right? Like you can kind of do with every, whatever you want with it. And it's, I, I think it's pretty cool in this sense to change the density because that's what the whole point of changing your materials from acrylic to wood are, right? Is to change the density to get a different sound. And for those of you that are, are listening only, uh, he's showing us a cross section of the call, um, yeah. one of his calls he has there, and showing that there's, uh, structures inside of it and he can change the size of the openings in the structure to change the density and change the um the way this the call sounds yeah yeah because it will change the way it resonates right and that's what also makes it float is because one i can also make shells in there but two i can make if i have an, a big enough um gap in there it basically makes it so they'll float as well. So it kind of knocks two birds out with one stone. So, but yeah, that's kind of the gist, I guess the overview of them besides all the logistics that go in the calls. But so how, how did you get started making these calls like this? How, how did the whole thing get going? So the whole, the whole thing started last Christmas when I decided I was, I, I was at school and I was like, what can I do here 
to uh, do something for my dad for Christmas, you know, something, something interesting, something different. And uh, he was getting into duck hunting then. And we've both been kind of at it for a few years. And I was like, you know, I'll just make a duck call. It can't be that hard. And uh, so I bought a, I bought a wood blank. And then I was like, well, I can either buy the totem board or I can make my own. I was like, well, I want my own. So if I'm going to give it to him for Christmas, I might as well make my own tone board. So that's kind of how that started. Um, so I ended up 3D printing because our school has a lot of 3D printers. And so I was kind of like, I'll, I'll 3D print prototypes and then I'll just end up cutting it. And I worked in a machine shop, so I knew my way around a lathe and everything else. So it wasn't a big deal to turn the wood barrel or anything like that. But then I was, I started playing with these tone boards and I was like, holy crap, this is this is a lot harder than I thought. It's not just one little cut and you throw a reed on it and mm-hmm. make a duck sound. So that was the way it kind of started and evolved and to what it is today. So how'd your first uh, call sound? <laughs> Absolutely awful. <laughs> it was, it was awful. It was, it was straight flat. The tone board was absolutely flat and <laughs> it was way too long. I couldn't even get a reed to fit it. <laughs> mm. So, it was it was an embarrassment, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> how does a three D printer work exactly? I don't really have much so, knowledge of it. Like, how do you? What's the process? So what it is is so like we'll have these right here. Um, this is a spool of plastic, right? Uh huh. And it kind of comes. It basically it's wrapped up by machines, and you buy however much how many kilograms. Usually it goes in kilograms. You want, and you can change the material and the diameter size. And um, there you also pick your material. And so what it will do is, I don't know if I can turn it. I have my 3D printer right over here. But um, let me see if I can turn it. Sorry, I'm a very visual guy. But um, so what it will do is it will feed the filament into the hot end. Mm-hmm. And that's where it will melt the plastic. And then this will basically move where you want it to move type of deal. So, like, it acts like an end mill, right? Like, you'll you'll cat it up in a software and it will take the tool paths accordingly and basically extrude the filament on the base plate right here, which is powder coated. So it sticks really nice. So you have to use a software to program it what to make, right? Yes. Yes. And the software comes with the printer because it's G code for the printer, but then, um, yeah. And then you basically turn your CAD files into a file that that will accept to make a G code out of. How, how do you tell it to make uh, make it look like a duck call? So, so um, are you guys familiar with a, of a software called SolidWorks? Yep. Uh, yeah, you are? Yeah. So I, I cat them up in SolidWorks, which is like, basically it's like a three-dimensional drawing. And what it'll do is it'll, it'll calculate the geometries for me when I export it into a file. And then I'll put it on an SD card plug it after I run the G code and then I'll plug it into the printer and it knows where to go to make that shape or whatever I guess I'm making. And is the shape just coming off of an image and then it figures out based on an image? Well, so he makes, it, um, <laughs> what? Uh, he makes a 3D model on his computer. So he designs yeah. a 3D model. So he makes the call on the computer and then the computer takes that and prints it on plastic. Yeah, but Michael, how do you how do you get the measurement specifics done? That seems like that would be really hard to do. Maybe I'm just the software is really easy to. He makes it's, it up. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's like taking a pencil with your mouse, and then you just draw, and then it will dimension certain spots for you. 
And then from there, you're basically, it calculates all that stuff for you. Like it will calculate how, where the printer needs to go to make a certain radius or something like that. That makes sense. Yeah. Jordan, is that something that you were doing at your old job, that type of stuff with your program? Yeah, or? actually we did 3D printing as well. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. We're... <laughs> so I understand exactly what he's talking about. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How many 3D um, duck calls are, is it becoming a lot bigger market for that? So as far as I know, there's only one other company that does them. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know, I, I think it has to do with the timing because I mean, you know, an injection mold will take, you know, seconds to produce a duck call versus this takes three hours to produce the whole entire thing. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that's part of the limitations on it. But as far as I know, I mean, I think it's growing. I hope it's growing. But I'm pretty familiar, like duck calls in general, right? If there's not a niche for it, I think that it will develop into its own market, so to speak. Yeah. I wonder, I think the one, one of the things you're going to have to fight against is when you use the word plastic. Yeah. Because um, I think that when you hear plastic duck call, I don't think that that gives a very warm feeling to a lot of people. Yeah. Um, I wonder if there's a different word. Because when I got it in my hands, I've got one of yours. Um, I was, I didn't have that great of expectations about it. Um, I didn't know, but you know, it's, it's, it's much better than what I had expected it to be. And I think I'm trying to figure out why. And I think it's the use of that word plastic. Cause you know, you get those little plastic toy kazoo calls, you know, yeah. and I think that word is just kind of gets, it, it gives a negative perception to people, yeah. but it you sounds good. The, you could use the word, uh, polymer or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> And, and I could probably use like the technical. I, it's P. I think you should. What? I think you should use the technical word. Yeah, that might make it sound a little bit more official because that's. I guess that's like um, polycarbonate when they make like their plastic calls. They're like it's a polycarbonate call, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that works. I, I, yeah, I think that because it's really it's got a good sound to it, um, and mm -hmm. it's 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 perfectly usable quality sounding duck call. It really yeah, is. It's kind of it's kind of different. I don't know if you do you agree with me on that one. It's. I feel like every duck call that I use is a little bit different. That's fair. Yeah. I, I don't know that that I would be like, well, yeah, that's obviously different than any other, you know, other duck call. Yeah. Or yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Because I use a different plastic. That's why I was curious. I don't. I shouldn't say. I guess I shouldn't keep saying plastic, but um, <laughs> well, it's like it's the same stuff your water bottles are made out of is what mm -hmm. I use. And nobody else, as far as I know, uses that. I did I did get a 3D printed duck call in the Hunter's Hall box last year. Really? Um, yeah, I did. And I don't remember who made it. It fell apart. Like, I in the marsh, I had it out in the marsh the first day, and I only had one little lanyard ring on it, you know? <laughs> yeah. It popped open, was gone. Um, but it your, yours is lighter. Lighter yeah. and, and, and better sounding. Thank you. you. Know? <laughs> Thank you. I didn't, I didn't get a lot of use in the field because I said it fell apart, but... Um, <laughs> your yours was lighter than that one, and and I yeah I feel like it has a better sound to it. That's good. Yeah, my next call I'm gonna be releasing here soon is gonna have a O ring on it to mm -hmm. avoid that whole thing. I mean, I never had a problem with calls falling apart, except I had a wood one that fell apart one time. Mm -hmm. But I guess that's to be expected with you know humidity levels and everything else. But yeah, yeah. Well, and with yours, I I was changing the uh, reads out so much that I. I it's like I can't get that back out. It's kind of stuck in there. Cause <laughs> I, you, I, you, I got that white one you sent. Yeah. And the one I have in that I actually like, 
I'm just scared to force it. Yeah. Um, I must have really jammed it in there or something. It, so with the um you mean like into the Yeah, like the two pieces I can't get them apart um without gotcha. completely forcing them. Um I haven't put that much effort on it cuz I don't want to force cuz I like how it sounds now and yeah. I don't want to put that much pressure on it. Um but I think I must have really jammed that in there or something. <laughs> Um, one, a the, too much one of the first grease. times I made it. Oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. Okay. Um, I dropped it on the floor in my dorm room, and I couldn't get it out. <laughs> I it got jammed in there, and I was too afraid to really pull <laughs> on it because I liked the way it was. Yeah. And I just, I eventually got it out, but it took me a little bit. Yeah, that's where I am now because I want to try that. Um, I don't know what the different calls are or the different names of the pieces are. Um, but the Pete set holds the read on it. I don't want to, I want to try a different one in there, but I don't want to just yank too hard. Yeah. It, if, if it, if you yank too hard and it breaks apart, let me know. I'll, it, that, <laughs> so that, I got the green light. I got the green light. I don't think it will. <laughs> I'm not very strong. So if I just give it to my wife, she'll probably pull it right out. <laughs> <laughs> so First part I think of that. the names are barrel and read and what's the, Insert. I call it insert. insert. There, yeah, okay. that's right. Or it, it's kind of up to. Depends on. It also depends on if you want an Arkansas style or a Louisiana style. Some people, it would, like Louisiana style, would be like tone board wedge. Then you have like I call. I still call it the barrel and then the um, insert. And then hmm. all style. I basically and because you got you know cork reed and the uh, insert. So. Hmm. So if people want to check these out and get a hold of one, where's the best place that they can go to buy one? So last night I finished up the website. So that would be at baileysgamecalls.com. It's up right now? Huh? It's up right now and running? Yeah, and it's it's not perfect yet, but it's going to be keep modified as I go along. And then um, another place, and Facebook I'm not too prevalent on. I social media before I started making duck calls. So I I'm still a little fuzzy with Facebook, but yeah. Cool. That's yeah. The, I'm on the website now. looks great. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> so hopefully I'm going to get some different pictures in there because the wood duck call is still just the plain one. And then I'm hoping to get the rest of the pictures taken to get to the point where um, each call will come up with like a, cause the translucents look different than just the plain colors. <laughs> so, and before we move on, there's a product I wanted to talk about real quickly. Um, as you guys know, we use a lot of the Lightsol products, me and Elliot, and um, one product that we're finding invaluable for setting up in the mornings on certain hunts or also it would be great for camping situations, the Quadrant Light. Um, it's a... It's kind of like a lantern uh, in a cylinder form, has four bars of LEDs um, around the circle, but it's great. You can set it down like on a log or set it down in the grass um, or in the field and set it right where you want to set up your, your decoys and turn it on and it just lights up the whole area. Um, you know, some people drive the trucks down out there, but if you're kind of on a more remote hunt or you don't have that luxury, maybe you're going out in your canoe, you can set it up and have light for the whole way. So I just wanted to kind of mention that quadrant, um, great product. Also, it's magnetic for, you know, working in your garage or, or stuff like that. But you can get a 10% discount at checkout if you use promo code DuckHunt10 over there at LightsAll.com. So big thanks to them. And let's jump back into the podcast. Very cool. Yeah, that looks Thank good. you.
Thank you. Thank you. Are you guys going to do goose goose calls at some point? Yeah, that's that's going to be this. The rest of this week is going to be dedicated to the finishing up that goose call and getting it out there for everybody. But um, because I've been I've been with it and it's just not where I want it and I don't want to put something up if <laughs> if I wouldn't even use it either. So. <laughs> Yeah. So, so I know we kind of, we messaged back and forth. We're talking about wood duck calls. I think you saw one of my videos where we're hunting wood ducks and you asked me about it. Kind of what are your thoughts on the wood duck call? So I, I really think that if you get one that sounds pretty close, it seems to stir them up. I, I don't, I, I can't give an explanation why, but for me, at least we would use that every once in a while. And it seems like the wood ducks would come up and take a look. And sometimes even the mallards, I don't, I don't know. I do you have one with you, a wood duck call? I do upstairs. I can go grab it if you would like. Uh, no. Sure, go grab it. I want to hear it. <laughs> okay, yeah. I'll go grab it. Do you, do you run a wood duck call, Jordan? No, but I oh. have been considering it um, a lot lately just because early season I have so many opportunities for wood ducks. Um, you know, every year I get on about four or five wood duck hunts, you know, before – um, the season really kind of rolls in for mallards. I mean, obviously it's season, but we don't necessarily yeah. early season have a ton to hunt um, once we get past the first weekend. But the wood ducks, I mean, I can just pound them and they don't seem to care. They just keep coming back to the same places. And so I did want to kind of, from now on, or what I have been doing in the past is just running a mallard call, quacking and chuckling. Um, and they'll check you out, but I just wondered what the difference would be if I tried out a wood duck call. Um, so I'm very curious to give it a, sh a shot to see if they work better. Cause I can say for sure they don't work as good as a mallard to a mallard call. Um, what are your experiences with it, Elliot? Um, my experience is that it was wood ducks could care less about a mallard call. <laughs> the <laughs> only time I've ever had, um, wood ducks actually decoy multiple times in a hunt was when we had a few wood duck decoys out mm. uh, and they would come and land right on those. Have you ever uh, but, ran a, a mojo for wood ducks? Well, I mean, we always have a mojo out. So I've, n I've never actually been on a specific wood duck hunt. Okay. They always just, landed right we, on top of my mojo. Yeah, they, they just don't they – don't, they don't pay attention to – now, we did have one land in the spread um, Saturday, and Aiden shot a Drake um, wood duck. But that was the worst first wood duck our, our group has shot the whole year. They, mm. they're, they're in here a bunch um, in October – but then they seem to get out of here really fast after that. I mean, I shoot maybe one or two a year tops. I mean, not even that. It's just a non-issue for us, really, wood ducks. Hmm. And then every now and then one will just float right into the decoys. So you got that uh, call, Killian? Yeah, I got it right here. So this is the one I made for my dad. He liked the clear translucent. I don't know if you can see it, but you can see also where the infill is. Yep. Where the transition, but... um. Yeah. So it's making Izzy bark. <laughs> She's hearing it through my headphones. She's going nuts. That's crazy. <laughs> but yeah, it's huh. it's pretty loud too. But um, so, it's, so that's supposed to be like uh, mimic their kind of the call they make when they're screeching across the marsh. You what'd you say? That's supposed to mimic the call they make, like when they're flying. You just seem yeah. You know, that's that's screeching. what that long one is. And then when they're when they're kind of playing, they'll do like a. <laughs> so they'll be kind of 
not like a chuckle, but I, I kind of call it like a chuckle. Yeah, yeah. Now I can see why you call it that. And that's, yeah. Hmm. You should get well, one, Jordan. If I was, if I was run, if I was going on, um, uh, wood duck specific hunts, I would have a wood duck call. Yeah, I probably yeah. should add that to my arsenal. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> yeah, I've had people ask me in my videos why I don't run a wood duck call. I'm like, I don't know. I'm just never tried it. You should for sure. It's kind of, I don't, it's kind of like one of those things. It's kind of like I know when you guys, I think you guys had Ducklander calls on, mm-hmm. and you guys asked him about the teal call, like, and he uses the mallard while he mi- still mimics it. I, it's sometimes you you don't really get to call teal. It seems like they just kind of show up <laughs> for at least for me anyway they just kind of zing around we call them we call them here in september big time yeah yeah they'll, 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 they, you, you can turn them at the right times you yeah. can turn them i've turned them as well yeah but i mean we get thousands and thousands of blue wings down there <laughs> we're dealing with big populations we're not dealing with that. We're dealing with like ten. Yeah, <laughs> if we're lucky. Yeah, we're like, yeah, oh, I there's mean, ten on the pond. Let's go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Almost every teal blue wing we shot this this teal season was in the decoys. I mean, it was not always a result of calling, but it certainly makes a big difference for us. Do you guys use mojos with them with the teal? Yeah. Mm-hmm. How many do you run? One, two at the most. We're not we're not huge spinning. We love. We love mojos. We don't love lots and lots of mojos. So we'll use gotcha. one or two. We, uh, Aiden and I ran three, two, uh, one teal and two um, mallards the other day, and that was the most we had ever used was three. Gotcha. I prefer about a dozen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wish we could. I wish we didn't need them. I tried to hold out and not one. Once they started coming on the scene, um, I try, I did not want to get one until it became obvious that if I didn't have one, I wasn't going to shoot ducks at some of these public places. Yeah. Cause they would just suck over to people that had them all the time. And that, now it's like, especially late season, like at least for us, we had a mojo and they just started flaring on the mojo on us the other weekend. I mean, they were just, they just did not like it for some reason for us. But. Now what, what made you think that that's what was flaring them? So we were covered pretty well. So there was that, but then we didn't do a whole lot of calling, but they would come in and they're, they would tuck like they're going to land, but they're all locked out. And then they would just, they didn't like it. And they would just, did you turn it off? Did you turn it off? Did you pull it? Yeah. And then they started coming in. Really? Yeah. It was really weird. Hmm. Or had that happen either. Usually we regardless, it's usually us, right? Like usually yeah. we're not well hit enough. Hmm. We've pulled the sp- spinner many, many times and not one time has it seemed to help us early or yeah. late season. We always, have- we, we always pull it. We always will try pulling it. It just never helps. No. That's fair. But, I mean, lots of people say it does, and they've had it. Yeah. For us, yeah. it never has. We've I, had I it currently- off. We start with no spinner, and then we put one out, and it immediately makes a difference. We've had that experience. Hmm. Gotcha. I will say, yeah, that in my opinion, that mojas do make a, a positive impact, but you can't argue with, you know, the fact that you had that day that it, that, that was the case where the mojo was the problem. Yeah. But for me currently, I have too small of a sample size to make a determination. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's really hard to tell because when we're making judgments and opinions based on our experience, there's so many factors that go into that, from our pre preconceived notions to our sample size. That I I try to be really really leery of of making decisions on what's caused what because it seems like i think with all of us once you decide well 
X equals this outcome, it's hard to change your thinking at all. Once you decide if something's working, works a certain way. Yeah. So. Especially if you have it happen like two or three times in a row where that necessarily doesn't mean everything, but you get it really kind of, I mean, almost it just affects your, your thinking on it going forward. <laughs> yeah. And not saying that you guys aren't accurate in making that assessment. I'm just saying in general, it's just hard. I think all of us jump to conclusions too quickly. Yeah. As to what the I, reason that's what's really cool. I really like the the freelance hunt stats. That's that's pretty cool. Like, I mean, it used to be. I I mean, my dad and I had a discussion about it, like cloudy days versus sunny days. Yeah. He's like, oh, cloudy days are better. And and like when you're doing the freelance hunt stats, it's like mm, there's not much of it. There's no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You just became Elliot's favorite all-time guest. <laughs> <laughs> well and i don't know if you're a pain member or not but um when you become a pain member you can actually click the global button so there's been almost i think three thousand hunts log yeah so now you cannot just look at your stats but you can look at at all the different variables with everyone who's logged so you can see okay out of three thousand hunts has sun has cloudy versus sunny made a difference and so we're getting enough data now to start saying you know this is becoming fairly conclusive now all you need yeah. is like a that's, GPS that's with uh, a heat map of where the ducks are being killed. <laughs> <laughs> got to conceal, got to keep some things private. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I am, I am talking with the developer about, see, he brought up the wrong subject. Um, I am talking <laughs> to the developer about trying to turn it into some form of app um, where it would be, and I don't know, he's, he's doing a, a kind of a cost analysis of it. Um, to where you could just, cause people love apps. And I think if I could kick out a little app that just allowed people to just to log the data on an app, even though you can take the site and just put a bookmark on your screen and it's going to function exactly like an app. the same. Yeah. But it's kind of, it's kind of like the plastic thing. It's like, Oh, it's not an app. Well, just bookmark it on your phone. Now it's an app. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that, and also allowing people to combine their accounts. So like you and your dad could create a crew. So now you could look at his stats your stats or combine them and look at your group stats. That'd, uh, yeah, that'd be good too. And then that would come with like a message board underneath it. So you could actually like interact um, on that crew too. So that'd be pretty cool. I'm excited. I'm That's excited. pretty awesome. Yeah. yeah. I want to, I want a stat in there that shows me uh, how much success I have when I use a wood duck call compared to hunts. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Th well, actually that, that kind, that kind of stuff, what would be cool on there is if you allow people to create their own, um, like their own field. So um, you could create Wood Duck Call and name it yourself, and then somehow it would play into it. Uh, because I'd like to do um, shotgun types, um, yeah. uh, choke sizes, shells. Yeah. I mean, you could get it as in depth as you want. So you could say, oh, with full chokes, here's here's my shooting percentage versus you know modified or or whatever. And, and, and I want to like spinner wing decoys. So I, I've got to get that in because that's one <laughs> thing about whether to pull a spin or not. So you could sort, okay, hunts, um, during January with spinners or without spinners, you know, yeah. so some of these things we could actually just come to a conclusion on, you know, instead of just guessing. <laughs> that's pretty so, cool. So kind of jumping back to a, a kind of changing uh, gears here. We so don't I have to change I... gears yet. No, no problem. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess kind of we need a little bit of background history on on you. When did you start duck hunting and and all that kind of stuff, Killian? So I started. It was 
I moved to Indiana when I was 10. And soon after that, I kind of started duck hunting. It would have been probably 12 or 13 because my family has a farm. So we, we had some flooded spots and we would just field hunt for the most part. And then this property that my grandpa, when he first graduated high school way back and, uh, he lived on a house and farmed this property. Well, it was a pain in the butt to farm. So the guy, he sold it and uh, this guy flooded it and put it up for lease. So that's really when it started. And that would have been probably 14. So it was, I was, but 14 is when it really started with the whole like water version of it. Right. Instead of just doing field hunts and everything else. So that was kind of when it really started. So has it been like a, a family sport? I, I'm assuming you do it with your dad since, you know, you're making calls yeah. for him. And... Yeah. So like there's, there's a couple of guys that my dad works with that kind of got him into it. And, but he was kind of into it before he moved to uh, New Jersey. But these guys kind of, you know, one of them, he's a pretty hardcore hunter. So he, he's kind of showed me the ropes on calling and just in general with decoys and all that stuff. So he kind of, he kind of helped a lot with that, but it's mainly like, there's like four of us that pretty much go. We're kind of, I guess. So, so you, do you hunt that flooded lease still? Yeah. Yeah. And we just, um, so part of the property again was landlocked. So my grandpa gave it to us and let us flood it through the DNR. Hmm. So we get the whole payment plan and everything else for that. And, we got 40 acres and like it will end up having, I think four or five ponds to hunt. So we'll have a couple of spots and that's going to be pretty fun because I, let's, let's face it. Free hunting is better than leasing out hunting. <laughs> so, yeah, for sure. For sure. Awesome. That's, yeah. That's kind of how it started and it's kind of just gradually grown as I've gotten older. <laughs> so so are you a, a pretty hardcore hunter? Like I know you said with, um, with this year being in school and stuff, uh, how yeah. many times about, about yearly do you get out to hunt? So I would say I probably get out there. That's hard. Cause, um, I just, I started school last year and I tried to come home almost every weekend. It just didn't, I just couldn't do it. <laughs> say it'd probably be, 30 sometimes that's at the most that's a lot yeah that's yeah i just that'll put you in the hardcore category i think (laughs) yeah i i try to get out there like i've been trying to hunt pretty much every day because i'm on break right now because we had finals and stuff so i'm trying to get out there as where do you go to school and what's your major so i go to school at rose holman institute of technology it's a small school in um chair hope and my major is engineering design so nice that's great yeah, so it's it's pretty fun. It kind of correlates, I guess, to the duck calls, right? I mean, yeah, <laughs> sure. yeah. yep. So that's kind of just with that. It's just it's in quarters instead of semesters, so mm. it's it get back as much as I would like to. So the deal. Have yeah, you had a successful uh, waterfowl season? <laughs> what, what do you mean by successful waterfowl season? Like how how is, have you been doing? You've been shooting them, not shooting them. It's been a struggle. So, so the opening day was pretty solid for us like nine ducks i don't keep i don't keep track of my shooting percentage but um it might make me sad <laughs> no <laughs> uh so it's been pretty good but at least we've been seeing more birds than we normally have usually we get pretty dry right about now and i went out earlier today and i 
probably saw I had three ducks decoy and but then I had about 20 or 30 ducks flying basically jumping around in the um, lease that was a loner hunt and I I don't know I I that packing that all those decoys going in by myself walking all the way back there was a pain but it was worth it <laughs> Yeah, but I wouldn't say it's super successful. We didn't have like the crazy numbers of your teal season, Elliot. <laughs> yeah. Well, when when's your guys' when, peak mallard migration? Though typically, date range. I would say. Uh, oh, I guess it, you go ahead and answer. You go ahead and answer. We're in the for, same area. Uh, for at least for us, I mean, it seems like I wouldn't say late, but like late to end. So it'd be basically like probably November 30th to like December 15th, if I had to guess, what would you say, Jordan? I would say just a little bit earlier than that. Um, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I would say coming like within the next week um, until yeah. it just depends on, honestly depends on the freeze up and that's not necessarily migration, but that's how easily we can get on them. And uh, so as long as it doesn't freeze up end of November, beginning of December, that kind of week right there, is what I would say. Um, and then it, it, when we have that late season, um, that's money too. We, yeah. have a, we have one week at the end of the last week of December going into January. Did you guys so, ever get birds all totally south of you? Like you're just birdless? No. Oh, yeah. Always, around, always something around. Well, <laughs> I, I guess we shouldn't say that. You can always get on the rivers because they don't freeze up. Mm-hmm. So if you can get to the rivers, you can get divers, you can find the mallards. But yeah, if it does snow a lot and it does freeze up a lot, then it does push the big numbers out. But we right now going into the next week, we'll have the big numbers unless it freezes up um, for a, a little bit here. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we, we don't have the big numbers yet, but we certainly have mallards. When, when's your, when's your big numbers start? Um, early December. I mean, our biggest numbers are January on when the, when the migration starts going back North. So if you get a hard freeze in January and then it thaws, that's when you're going to see the biggest numbers of birds. Gotcha. Um, but anytime from, and we've got plenty of mileage right now, but we don't have the, the huge numbers and won't get a problem, you know, early December to late January. We've yeah. the last two years, we've shot a lot more mallards in November. Like I think I've shot fourteen mallards now, which is quite a few for this time of year. Yeah. So here's another question for you, Killian. Um, in my area of Indiana, I, I've I almost never see pintail. Um, I wondered if you guys get any pintail over by you. Nothing. Never, never have I seen a pintail. <laughs> <laughs> never. This is ever. crazy. It is. It's. I, yeah. I wonder where your birds breed. Yeah, I. I mean, north, more north, yeah, probably. Where they nest, I know, but like, uh, I know that um, I did a little research about the pintail and their nesting habits and stuff, and I know where our breeding pintails sit on the central flyway. And you guys up north, wherever your ducks breed, it must just not be a great area for pintails or something. Must not be, yeah, because we get we get mallards that breed here. I'll see little ducklings around in the in the spring, but I've never obviously don't see any pintail ducklings or anything like that. Yeah. But even like up in Canada. 
Yep, yep. I hear what you're saying. Like on my side of the state, I'm on the eastern side of the state, and we don't see many pintails here, but you go to the central part of the state, and they're all over the place in October. Mm. But I guess they're not really in the marshes here in October as much. But Yeah, it I must be I'm... like the further west you go, just in general. That yeah, it must, the it must too. be. It must be. We're right on the Missouri River, so I think a lot of our migration comes down the Missouri River, which is a huge snow traffic way and, and everything like that. But in the central part of the state, they're coming down through the middle of Nebraska and hitting the, oh, I can't remember. There's a huge bunch of little potholes right in South central Nebraska that a lot of the ducks are coming straight down through. It's all prairie marsh stuff all the way up through. Gotcha. So they must just funnel through that. I think my, one of my friends actually, he's, he's a competition. He was a competition caller and then he stopped doing that, but he said he saw one pintail on our lake and he missed. <laughs> oh, <that's laughs> he, was, he was not too happy about that one. That yeah, yeah. That was the only one that I know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've not killed a pintail this year. Seen oh. a bunch. I've not killed. I've not killed a single one. I don't, I'm and at this point, um, if I kill one, it'll be late January because I we probably won't see him again till that time. That's that's on that's probably the time to do it though too, right? With the colors and everything. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, they have a lot yeah. longer sprigs at that time, a lot prettier. Yeah. Because be they're one of the first ducks to migrate, which is strange because the pintails will be um, one of the. So you get your blue wings. We get the blue wings coming first, and then the green wings and the gat pintails, gadwalls, and widgeon. And then on the way back up, you get mallards, and the pintails come back north pretty quick. So gotcha. it's interesting that you start seeing when they're like the blue wings will be here until May uh, gotcha. to go north, but the pintails, they, they go up north sooner. Huh. That's kind of weird. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Well, I think uh, this is probably a good point to wrap up. We really appreciate you coming on. Uh, Thank you. In. And uh, you know, it's always great to talk to like-minded hunters and people, uh, you know, trying out new things and going for it and going after their dreams. So awesome. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, it was enjoyable. Yeah. And don't forget guys, uh, Bailey's game calls.com. You can go check out these calls. They're really affordable. I was looking at $35 for, to get a quality call. That's an awesome price. You're able to sell on yeah. that. Yeah. So go ahead. Yeah. Go through the, the list of where they can find you. Facebook, Instagram, um, I so you guys can, okay. So you guys can find me at the Instagram Bailey's game calls and then the website also <laughs> Bailey's game calls and then Facebook and Bailey's game calls. And then I have links to my email and cell phone. So if you guys don't want to do the website, you guys can always call text email, whatever is fine. So that's right. rundown on that. And for those of you that are watching on Facebook, we are going to take a break and then we'll be right back on to go over our hunt report for the week. So you might hang on and, and check that. And my, my dad did say, oh, I was talking about the, the rainwater basin was what I was talking about in Nebraska, that area. <laughs> yeah. Couldn't think of the name. All right. Well, that's a wrap on the podcast. We really appreciate everybody tuning in this week again and uh, making it to the end of the podcast. Um, you know, do us a big favor and... Um, give us a five-star rating over there on iTunes. Really appreciate it. Really helps us out. And uh, make sure to check out Elliot and Maya's YouTube as well. We are posting our hunts, um, every one of them, all season long. 
And yeah, that's all we got. I'm Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles, Elliot from Freelance Duck Hunting, and Killian from Bailey's Game Calls. And we'll see you guys next time.